So if you've been with us for a few weeks, we are in the sermon series called Soil and Seed. It's a Thanksgiving series, um, one that reminds us a lot about the harvest, one that has undertones of fruit and of produce and of all the things that we celebrate in the next couple of weeks at Thanksgiving. But it's also an appropriate sermon series because it is a series about planting. And our church as a whole, as First Carry, is in a season of planting. Last night, we launched our third worshiping community of, at First Carry, First Table, which will be a community that meets on Saturday evenings at 5.30, reaching um, a, a kind of a different demographic than what we normally reach here at First Carry. It's what we're called to do as a church that is, um, that is alive and well and is good soil. Part of the sermon series, we've talked about two things thus far, just to kept you back up to speed if you haven't been here. The first Sunday was All Saints Sunday, and we talked about the necessity of good soil, the idea that Jesus called and, t- and t- taught a parable that really challenged the disciples to be good and rich and fruitful soil, a place where the, the seed that is the Word of God could grow in them, but also a place where others could grow as well. And then the second sermon last week, uh, we talked a little bit about what it means to be good seed. If you look back at the creation story, all of creation was created with seeds inside of it. All of the plants, all of the fruit, all of the trees, animals, human beings. And it suggests to us that creation, as we see it today, is not done. There's more life to come beyond us. And we as a people of seed are required and called by God to scatter seed. And we do that in the kingdom of God by telling our story, by inviting new people into relationship with Jesus. And so we enter into today having talked a lot about planning, but we're going to make a transition this morning into what it means to be a church that grows. Not just a church that plants new things, but a church that nurtures and supports and helps to bring about growth in these little seedlings or these seeds. This morning, um, in the first service, we blessed the the Bibles um, of third graders that we had given out at Manifest this past year. So we said a prayer over them. Now, if we were just a church that was all about planting, we would just give them the Bible and then say, bon voyage. But we don't do that. There's more work to come after we plant the seed. It's the work of bringing about uh, the growth. And so that's what we're called to do this morning. I had a conversation. I want to give you kind of a a vision for what I think successful growth looks like. Um, It's a weird image, but I want to share it with you. When I was about 22 or 23, there was a a group of friends that had gathered together for a weekend, and uh, we were all working on race relations. That was what we we did during college, and we would get together every year for kind of a retreat and a reunion. And one of the more um, thoughtful members of that group, it was not me, uh, one of the more thoughtful members of the group um, was just uh, asking a really thought-provoking question, said, what, do you th- what would you like your grandchildren to say about you whenever that time comes when you have grandkids? Now, 22 years old, none of us married, none of us thinking about kids or even thinking about settling down, uh, we, it was a really weird question for him to ask us, but we all answered in some kind of generic way. And it came back around to him and he answered, he said, I pray that my kids look back and say, man, my granddad was the most racist person I ever knew. And for all of us that worked in race relations, we were like, that is the weird, why? Like, don't you want to be a good example? Don't you want to be a great, like, you know, a a leader in this, in this work? And he said, yes, I do. But if I'm going to be a really good example, if I'm going to be a really good leader, then two generations down the line, they better be so far ahead of where we are and where I am 
that I pray that they look back and they say, man, he was only scratching the surface on this anti-racism work. The world has come so much further along because of him, because of the foundation that he laid. I think about that a lot in terms of our faith, my faith too. I pray that my kids, someday if I have them, God willing, and grandkids might look back on the faith of their granddad and say, man, he was only scratching the surface of what real faith looks like. I pray that the community that we create as First on Chatham, as First Carry, does such a good job of nurturing our kids and our grandkids that their faith goes far beyond what we ever experienced as a community. I think that the Apostle Paul had that same prayer for his early churches. Um, For those of you unfamiliar with, uh, if you haven't been to church in a while, if you're relatively new, Apostle Paul um, was one of the original apostles that kind of took the the story of Jesus' salvation out into the world and shared it with other communities. He was kind of the original church planter in a way. And so he took this story and went out, and he began to write letters to a lot of the newly established churches that he had planted around the Mediterranean, and a lot of those letters have become, for us, the epistles, which are the New Testament, a part of the New Testament. And so a lot of the New Testament is written by this church planter named Paul, who gives a lot of great advice to young churches and to communities that are going through this planting and this growing process. So this morning, we're going to look at one of Paul's letters. It's Paul's letter to Ephesus, the church at Ephesus, which really um, kind of was a more generic letter. Ephesus was one of his most beloved churches, but it was a more generic letter. It was meant to be scattered around. It would be as if I wrote a letter to First Table, but it kind of got distributed to other local churches as well. It's a broad, broad letter. And it outlines two things. It says, what does it mean to be, uh, what is faith all about? Who is Jesus all about? And then what does that mean for our lives? How we should live? So we're going to pull from Ephesians 4, verses 25 through 32. And I'm going to give you a task as we read this. I want you to think about what work is Paul asking his church to do in Ephesus. Hear now the word of God. So then, putting away all falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their hands, so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up, as there is need so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Will you pray with me? Holy and living God, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It is a seed. It is a seed that we pray this morning you will plant inside of us so that your word may grow roots in our hearts and may grow fruit in our lives. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So this morning's sermon is a little bit about work, 
And I want to start off by telling you a little bit about the worst two days of my working life I have ever had. Uh, they both kind of came from the same job, not, uh, not coincidentally. Um, it seems appropriate that it would come from the same job. I was working for about five weeks in Bethlehem, out in the Holy Land, on a farm. Um, and this was an amazing opportunity, but it was also some of the most backbreaking work I've ever done. If you've ever worked on a farm, if you've ever done gardening, you know that it is just, um, it's, 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 it's difficult, it's physical labor, and you don't realize how much it hurts until you wake up the next morning. Um, and then you realize that was a lot more painful than it should have been. 